This is day 94 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Job chapters 30 through 34. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for the privilege to spend time with you today. We just pray, Lord, that you'd give us the fortitude of heart and the fortitude of mind to eliminate all distractions, everything that draws us away from you, Lord, that we can be like Job and we can have a clear mind and full integrity of heart, knowing that we have done everything honestly and that we have done everything to your glory, and not for selfish gain, not for chasing after the things of this world, but simply spending time with you, humbling ourselves, and repenting. May we do that today, may we do that every day, as we wake up in the morning and we put you first. We thank you, Lord, for this time, and please bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. But now those younger than I mock me, whose fathers I disdained to pull with the dogs of my flock. Indeed, what good was the strength of their hands to me? Vigor had perished from them. From want and famine they are gaunt, who gnaw the dry ground by night in waste and desolation, who pluck mallow by the bushes, and whose food is the root of the broom shrub. They are driven from the community. They shout against them as against a thief, so that they dwell in dreadful valleys, in holes of the earth and of the rocks. Among the bushes they cry out. Under the nettles they are gathered together. Fools, even those without a name, they were scourged from the land. And now I have become their taunt. I have even become a byword to them. They abhor me and stand aloof from me, and they do not refrain from spitting at my face, because he has loosed his bowstring and afflicted me. They have cast off the bridle before me. On the right hand their brood arises. They thrust aside my feet and build up against me their ways of destruction. They break up my path. They profit from my destruction. No one restrains them. As through a wide breach they come, amid the tempest they roll on. Terrors are turned against me, they pursue my honor as the wind, and my prosperity has passed away like a cloud. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have seized me. At night it pierces my bones within me, and my gnawing pains take no rest. By a great force my garment is distorted. It binds me about as the collar of my coat. He has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you for help, but you do not answer me. I stand up, and you turn your attention against me. You have become cruel to me. With the might of your hand you persecute me. You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride, and you dissolve me in a storm. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house of meeting for all living. Yet does not one in a heap of ruins stretch out his hand, or in his disaster, therefore, 
cry out for help? Have I not wept for the one whose life is hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? When I expected good, then evil came. When I waited for light, then darkness came. I am seething within and cannot relax. Days of affliction confront me. I go about mourning without comfort. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for help. I have become a brother to jackals and a companion to ostriches. My skin turns black on me and my bones burned with fever. Therefore my harp is turned to mourning and my flute to the sound of those who weep. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? And what is the portion of God from above, or the heritage of the Almighty from on high? Is it not calamity to the unjust, and disaster to those who work iniquity? Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? If I have walked in falsehood, and my foot has hastened after deceit, let him weigh me with accurate scales, and let God know my integrity. If my step has turned from the way, or my heart followed my eyes, or if any spot had stuck to my hands, let me sow and another eat, and let my crops be uprooted. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or I have lurked at a neighbor's doorway, may my wife grind for another, and let others kneel down over her. For that would be a lustful crime. Moreover, it would be an iniquity punishable by judges. Or it would be fire that consumes to Abaddon, and would uproot all my increase. If I have despised the claim of my male or female slaves, when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises? And when he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him, and the same one fashion us in the womb? If I have kept the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel alone, and the orphan has not shared it. But from my youth he grew up with me as with a father, and from infancy I guided her. If I have seen any one perish for lack of clothing, or that the needy had no covering, if his loins have not thanked me, and if he has not been warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the orphan, because I saw I had support at the gate, let my shoulder fall from the socket, and my arm be broken off at the elbow. For calamity from God is a terror to me, and because of his majesty I can do nothing. If I have put my confidence in gold, and called fine gold my trust, if I have gloated because my wealth was great, and because my hand had secured so much, if I have looked at the sun when it shone, or the moon going in splendor, and my heart secretly became enticed, and my hand threw a kiss from my mouth, 
that too would have been in iniquity calling for judgment, for I would have denied God above. Have I rejoiced at the extinction of my enemy, or exulted when evil befell him? No, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for his life and a curse. Have the men of my tent not said, Who can find one who has not been satisfied with his meat? The alien has not lodged outside, for I have opened my doors to the traveler. Have I covered my transgressions like Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, because I feared the great multitude and the contempt of families terrified me and kept silent and did not go out of doors? Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me, and the indictment which my adversary has written. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. If my land cries out against me, and its furrows weep together, if I have eaten its fruit without money, and have caused its owners to lose their lives, let briars grow instead of wheat, and stinkweed instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Then these three men ceased answering Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes. But the anger of Elihu, the son of Barakel the Buzite, of the family of Ram, burned against Job. His anger burned because he justified himself before God. And his anger burned against his three friends because they had found no answer, and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were years older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of the three men, his anger burned. So Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, spoke out and said, I am young in years, and you are old. Therefore I was shy and afraid to tell you what I think. I thought age should speak, and increased years should teach wisdom. But it is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gave them understanding. The abundant in years may not be wise, nor may elders understand justice. So I say, listen to me, I too will tell what I think. Behold, I waited for your words, I listened to your reasonings while you pondered what to say. I even paid close attention to you. Indeed, there was no one who refuted Job, not one of you who answered his words. Do not say, we have found wisdom. God will rout him, not man. For he has not arranged his words against me, nor will I reply to him with your arguments. They are dismayed. They no longer answer. Words have failed them. Shall I wait, because they do not speak, because they stop and no longer answer? I, too, will answer my share. I also will tell my opinion, 
for I am full of words. The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is like unvented wine, like new wineskins it is about to burst. Let me speak that I may get relief. Let me open my lips and answer. Let me now be partial to no one, nor flatter any man. For I do not know how to flatter, else my Maker would soon take me away. However, now, Job, please hear my speech, and listen to all my words. Behold now, I open my mouth, my tongue in my mouth speaks. My words are from the uprightness of my heart, and my lips speak knowledge sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Refute me if you can. Array yourselves before me. Take your stand. Behold, I belong to God like you. I too have been formed out of the clay. Behold, no fear of me should terrify you, nor should my pressure weigh heavily on you. Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words. I am pure, without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no guilt in me. Behold, he invents pretexts against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Behold, let me tell you, you are not right in this, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain against him, that he does not give an account of all his doings? Indeed, God speaks once, or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while they slumber in their beds. Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man from pride. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol. Man is also chastened with pain on his bed and with unceasing complaint in his bones, so that his life loathes bread and his soul favorite food. His flesh wastes away from sight, and his bones, which were not seen, stick out. Then his soul draws near to the pit, and his life to those who bring death. If there is an angel as a mediator for him, one out of a thousand, to remind a man what is right for him, then let him be gracious to him, and say, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Let his flesh become fresher than in youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then he will pray to God, and he will accept him, that he may see his face with joy, and he may restore his righteousness to man. He will sing to men and say, I have sinned and perverted what is right, and it is not proper for me. He has redeemed my soul from going to the pit, and my life shall see the light. Behold, 
God does all these oftentimes with men to bring his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Pay attention, O Job. Listen to me. Keep silent and let me speak. Then, if you have anything to say, answer me. Speak, for I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me. Keep silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Then Elihu continued and said, Hear my words, you wise men, and listen to me, you who know. For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose for ourselves what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my right. Should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. What man is like Job, who drinks up derision like water, who goes in company with the workers of iniquity, and walks with wicked men? For he has said, It profits a man nothing when he is pleased with God. Therefore listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness, and from the Almighty to do wrong. For he pays a man according to his work, and makes him find it according to his way. Surely God will not act wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him authority over the earth, and who has laid on him the whole world? If he should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all breath would perish together, and man would return to dust. But if you have understanding, hear this, listen to the sound of my words. Shall one who hates justice rule? And will you condemn the righteous mighty one, who says to the king, worthless one, and to nobles, wicked ones, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich above the poor, for they are all the work of his hands? In a moment they die, and at midnight people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away without a hand. For his eyes are upon the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no darkness or deep shadow where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he does not need to consider a man further, that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry, and sets others in their place. Therefore he knows their works, and he overthrows them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes them like the wicked in a public place, because they turned aside from following him, and had no regard for any of his ways, so that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him, and that he might hear the cry of the afflicted. When he keeps quiet, who then can condemn? And when he hides his face, who then can behold him? That is, 
in regard to both nation and man, so that godless men would not rule nor be snares to the people. For has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend any more? Teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will not do it again. Shall he recompense on your terms, because you have rejected it? For you must choose, and not I. Therefore declare what you know. Men of understanding will say to me, and a wise man who hears me, Job speaks without knowledge, and his words are without wisdom. Job ought to be tried to the limit, because he answers like wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Okay, beginning in chapter 30, we see Job is still defending himself, and he doesn't understand why he's receiving such affliction. And that's hard to answer sometimes, right? Because we can do everything right, and yet the trials will still come. But there's one thing that we have to understand when it comes to how God works with us. When we become saved, we are no longer in condemnation with God, right? Isn't that what Romans 8.1 says? Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if there's no punishment anymore, bad things still happen to us in life. So what do we classify those as? We should see that as chastisement, as chastening, as discipline of the Lord, because he is our father after all. And we may do everything right, but yet hard times will still come because we are not perfect. And not only that, but that is just a natural consequence to living in a fallen world. So even if God is not personally involved in what's happening, he allows these things to happen to us for our discipline, for the strengthening of our wills, our self-control, whatever it may be. But he puts these things in our lives to test us and to see what, how we will respond. And more often than not, we're not going to respond properly. And that means that the lesson has not been learned, and we will be relearning the lesson until we get it right. But it's for our good, remember? We have to frame it in such a way that God does all things for our good. The things that need to be done are not always good, in, by our estimation, but the results will be good. And that's what God is looking at. We just have to trust him in that. So we see Job not quite understand that concept. Because in chapter 30, he feels like he's defenseless against God. And God is just attacking him for no reason. And we know that just by his descriptions and we saw firsthand what he's going through physically. Physically, I mean, the torment is great. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. His physical pain is so much. And I mean, I'm amazed that he's able to even think straight. But then he ends his chapter with complaining that God doesn't even answer him. And that God is just letting him suffer 
without any intervention at all. And he is just angry. He's seething within. He's so angry at God. You see that in verse 27. I am seething within and cannot relax. Days of affliction confront me. I'm going about mourning without comfort. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for help, and God doesn't answer. So what am I supposed to do? And then he goes and continues to defend himself, and because he's still trying to get to the bottom of and rationalize, what have I done wrong? If I have done anything wrong, what have I done? And then he starts naming off some other things as to, you know, I didn't do this, but if I had done this, Lord, I want you to do this to me. And he makes all these ultimatums here. So he says some very good things, though, in chapter 31. And these are, this verse, verse 1 here, should be something that all men in the whole world should say. (laughs) Really, we should. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin, a woman, a young woman? That is surely one of the weaknesses that men have, right? Wandering eyes, getting lost in thought, as well as going to places online or things like that that we should not be going to, and yet we do. And all that is, is just all idolatry and it's all adultery. We cannot be doing that. And he made a covenant with his eyes. I'm not going to look at that stuff. I have decided it is not worth it. I prefer to honor God than do this stupid stuff. And he made a covenant with his own eyes. I am not going to even entertain the thought. That's amazing. That's surely how we should be with these things as well. Then he makes an accusation to God again here in verses 5 and 6, which you should not be doing that. If I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened after deceit, let him weigh me with accurate scales and let God know my integrity. As if God does not already know your integrity, or up until this point he has not been weighing you with accurate scales. He doesn't have to weigh you. Life is not all fair. I mean, that's something that I've been teaching my kids lately, is life's not fair. You know, there's some people that think, well, everything has to be perfectly even, right? Everyone has to get exactly the same thing. That's almost a communist, socialist idea, but everything needs to get the exact same thing. Everybody deserves the exact same thing. Well, that's not how life works, though. Those are just basic laws of nature that we're trying to defy here. But then he says other things, too, is if my heart has been enticed by another woman, may my wife grind for another. May she be seeking other men and let others kneel down over her. Let let them commit adultery with her. You know, he's making these big statements. If I've done anything, show me what I've done wrong, and I will be punished severely. For example, also, if I have kept the poor from their desire, or I have not fed the widows and the orphans, if I haven't taken care of the needy people, then 
let my shoulders fall from my sockets and my arm be broken off. If I've trusted in gold and in wealth, then strike me down. You know, so he, he says all these things to try and defend himself. And then he says, I don't know what I've done wrong. So I'm waiting for God to answer me. Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here's my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. And the indictment which my adversary had written. Now, is he calling God his adversary? His enemy? Oh, that's dangerous territory. If that's indeed what he's saying here. Calling God his adversary. That is not where you want to end up. So he's ending his speech with a really sour note at the end by saying, I didn't do anything wrong. God's just picking on me. It's his fault. Mm. Not a very good way to end your argument. So he wasn't announced this whole time that we were here with Job and his three friends, but there was another man who was sitting in the sidelines waiting for an opportunity to jump in. And his name is Elihu. And he is very upset with what's going on here. So he's been waiting for these guys to stop speaking because in this culture, age was something that you had to respect, which we should today as well, right? But these men who were older than him were the ones that were speaking. And he makes a point that because you're older doesn't mean that you have all the wisdom. Just because you have age doesn't mean you have figured it all out. But the culture of the day was that the elders of your people were wise and you were to seek their counsel. So he's been waiting patiently for an opportunity to jump in and say what he wants to say. And he just couldn't hold himself back anymore. And since they saw that nobody was talking anymore, he jumped in and decided to open his mouth at this point. So he makes a point, first off, by saying that wisdom is always from God. And he's completely right in that. Verse 7, I thought age should speak and increased years should teach wisdom, but it is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives them understanding. It's a gift from God, right? Wisdom is a gift from God. It is not just because you're older. Because there's a lot of old fools in the world, aren't there? People who have become old in age, but mentally they're not very mature. And they never grew up. You know what I mean? And Elihu makes it very clear because he's saying that these three guys were not able to correct Job properly. Therefore, they are not wise, even though they're old. So he is going to take his chance to try to convince Job where he's wrong. So we go to chapter 33 because it seems like he keeps saying that he's going to start talking and he spends a whole chapter almost saying that he's going to start talking for some reason. And then in chapter 33, he finally gets it out. And he represents Job's situation very accurately in uh, the first few verses here. And he corrects Job for 
saying things in such hostility towards God. You know, remember what he just said before he stopped talking here. He said, Oh, that the might, Almighty would answer me, and that my, the indictment of my adversary had been written. So he declares God as his sovereign Lord, but he also declares him as his enemy at the same time. And Elihu is correct by saying that you are wrong in doing this. You absolutely cannot challenge God. You cannot challenge him. He can do as he pleases, right? And he doesn't need to tell you what he's doing. That's where he says this in verse 12 and 13. Behold, let me tell you, you are not right in this, for God is greater than man. Your superior doesn't have to tell you anything he's doing. And since he is your creator, he is far superior to you, and he doesn't have to explain himself. Elihu is correct in this matter. Why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all his doings? Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it, as if to say he speaks through different things. He speaks through experience, right? What Job's going through right now. He speaks through visions and dreams, through angels, all these different ways that Elihu's describing. But he doesn't have to tell you what he's doing, right? And we keep coming back to this same point. God does not have to explain himself to us. Sometimes we don't like that, but that's the reality of things. So he challenges Job near the end of chapter 33 to submit willfully to God in all his dealings. And he says that if you were to do this, you would get your health back and you would get your joy back if you just submit and obey and accept what God has given you, as if the the affliction was going to be temporary. So that was, that was interesting how he thought so. And then he again accurately describes Job's contention against God, in that he feels that God has wronged an innocent man. And he says something that's very interesting here. In verse 9, it profits a man nothing when he is pleased with God. And, and that's what you're saying, right? But he pays a man according to his work and makes him find it according to his way. Surely God will not act wickedly. Job made a claim that it is useless for a man to try to be God's friend. And Elihu's like, look, you're wrong in that. Because we know this about God. God is fair. God does not show partiality, and he doesn't afflict people for no reason as if he gets pleasure from it. And he, so he spends his time correcting Job in that God will not be unjust any time, ever. So you need to stop thinking this way. Then he says this in verse 33, Shall he recompense on your terms because you have rejected it? And that's a very interesting point, because Job is expecting God to respond in the way that Job wants, not what God wants. And you, just because you don't like what he's doing, he has to do it on your terms, Job? That's very selfish of you, and that's very prideful to think that. So Job is incorrect in some ways, 
right? We, we know that he didn't do anything wrong to begin with, right? We've come this far and figured that out. But at the same time, how he has responded to these afflictions is the challenge that we have as well. Sometimes life is going to be difficult. and Sometimes life is not going to make sense when it comes to why certain things are happening. But God knows. He has allowed these things to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen on the other side of it. But God does. So we have to just trust him through the process. Man, if we die, we die. I mean, if we have faith in Christ, right? And if we have faith that we are going to a much better place. And even Paul said that. He's like, I'd rather die and go to heaven than stick around here. But I have a job to do, and I'll do it. So we, if we see it that way, that this, this world is not our home, this is a temporary hiccup in eternity, then we have greater things to aspire to. What do we have to worry about? And really, quite frankly, if we understand what Job said at the very beginning, when his kids died, what did he say? Naked I have come into the world, and naked I will return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We have nothing that we brought into the world, and there's nothing we're going to take out of it either. Nor are we entitled anything. And that's hard in this generation to understand, that we're not entitled to anything and yet, everyone around us, including our own selves, most likely, have that sense of entitlement and that ungratefulness. Where Job failed was in accusing God of being unfair and picking on him and not being true to who he is. And that is dangerous territory, as we have seen. So, Job is getting properly correct by Elihu, and he hopes that his trials will continue. Now, it seems a little harsh, but he hopes his trials will continue until he either dies or, hopefully, he recants, right? He repents and apologizes for the way that he is speaking to God. So then Elihu is going to do some more defending of God's name and He's not going to get everything right either, but he is the closest of all the men so far of understanding God's true nature. And then we get the intense pleasure tomorrow to see what God himself has to say about the matter. And man, I get goosebumps every time I start reading chapter 38. So I'm very much looking forward to doing that. But we get to see from God's vantage point what Job is like, as well as, is Job right in everything that he's been saying? What does God have to say in response? God doesn't have to answer him, but we get the privilege of seeing his response. He goes down and stoops down, condescends down to Job's level, and tells him exactly what he feels about everything Job has said to this point. And he's going to let him have it. And we're going to see how Job responds to it. So, very exciting. A couple of days, and we'll be done with Job, and then we'll go into the Psalms. So, very quickly we're moving through things, and I've always considered Psalms to be the halfway point of the Bible. So, can you believe it? doesn't seem real, right? But it is. We're almost there. 
once we get through the Psalms, I can safely say that's about the halfway point. So we're, we're getting there one day at a time. But that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.